This week, Dan Taberski on his massive podcast hit, Missing Richard Simmons, and his search for answers behind the fitness icon's sudden public disappearance three years ago. This is Pop Culture Confidential. I told you once, I've told you a thousand times, I love you. This is the Richard Simmons you know. I want to see 25 of these, 10, 10, and 5. And we're going to do it together, and we're going to burn some calories. Or maybe this is. Welcome back to the show, Richard. How are you doing? Thank you so much, David Letterman. Or maybe this is. Hi! But on February 15th, 2014, Richard Simmons stopped being Richard Simmons. Where is Richard? I have no idea. All of a sudden, nothing. He straight up got up and disappeared. He hasn't been seen in public since and ghosted absolutely everyone he knew. I know because I'm one of them. I'm Dan Taberski. This podcast is Missing Richard Simmons. And on it, I'm trying to find out what happened to Richard. And it all ends with my conversation with Richard himself. If I can find him. Hi, I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Welcome to Pop Culture Confidential. So, Richard Simmons, the workout and fitness guru, is a true original of American popular culture. His workouts, like Sweatin' to the Oldies, sold in the millions, and his happy, totally over the top persona endeared him to audiences and made him a household name, beloved, but sometimes also the punchline. Through it all, Richard Simmons changed the lives of millions fighting obesity, befriending, calling, and even personally keeping contact with thousands of people through the years, showing empathy in the depths of their despair, and in many cases even saving lives. Dan Taberski, a writer, director, and former producer for The Daily Show, was one of Simmons' regular students at his fitness class in Beverly Hills called Slimmons. They became friends and even talked about making a documentary about Simmons' work in life. Then, on February 15, 2014, Richard Simmons did not show up to teach his regular exercise class. He cut off contact with the outside world, his friends, and has not been seen in public since. There are countless rumors, ranging from the quite outrageous that Richard Simmons is being held hostage by his longtime housekeeper— to depression, or maybe he just does not want to be in the public eye anymore. But he is sorely missed, and people are worried, Dan Taberski included. Last month, Taberski launched the podcast Missing Richard Simmons, and in no time at all, it became the most talked about and the number one podcast on iTunes. Taberski explores what happened to Richard, and why has he not given any explanation to so many of his close friends? And is it really the right thing to do to look for someone who really may not want to be found? Here is Dan Taberski from episode one of Missing Richard Simmons explaining his own thoughts behind the search. Three years ago to the day, Richard Simmons completely and inexplicably stopped being Richard Simmons. And I want to find out why. He may never talk to me. He may sue me or publicly excoriate me. But honestly, I'm good with all that except for the suing part. Why am I doing this? Because that year I got to know Richard made me even more fascinated than I was when I first proposed that documentary. I think he's important. So much more so than his goofball public persona lets on. And also, because a lot of people who know him and whose lives have been changed by him, they're worried or angry or full of grief. Some want to save him. Some just want to know he's okay. 
So over the course of this series, I'm looking for Richard. I'm reaching out in any way I can and exploring every theory. The goal isn't to drag him back. It's to find out why someone like him would ditch the world. This is Missing Richard Simmons. There's been some huge uh, reactions to this show and um, lots of response. Has anything surprised you? Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah? Um, yeah, man. Uh, I, I, you know, I had been thinking about him for so long and, 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 and researching him and doing all this work. Um, and um, so I, and I still, I could talk about Richard Simmons until I turn blue. <laughs> I think he's just the most fascinating person. And so I'm, I'm really excited by the response. Um, and, and I think the response is in part for the podcast, but mostly I think it's a response because people are being reminded about Richard and how interesting and kind he was. I think, I think that's a big deal for people. Right. I'm going to ask you to talk a little bit about what he means to America pop culture. But before, can you just tell me before you started your documentary investigation, what had happened? What do you mean by missing? Well, Richard Simmons on um, on February fifteenth, two thousand fourteen, Richard Simmons basically stopped being Richard Simmons. He stopped. He didn't show up to his exercise class, the class that he had been teaching for forty years. He pretty much cut off communication with everybody he knows, all friends, all colleagues. He stopped all public appearances. He, as far as I can tell, stopped. Um, helping people, for the most part, behind the scenes. Um, he stopped being that person. And so, and he's, and, and nobody has seen him in public since. Nobody has seen him since. And what you know is that he's supposedly at his house in Beverly Hills. That is my, uh, that is my assumption. And uh, I don't know that he's there all the time, but um, for the most part, uh, yeah, that's what I believe. So what I really appreciate about your show that through your investigation, you're doing like a wonderful documentary about him, about his importance in popular culture, and mostly his importance to like hundreds and thousands of individuals that he actually called and, and kept in contact with. But would you describe what Richard Simmons sort of has meant for the past four decades in popular culture? Richard Simmons changed fitness forever. Richard Simmons, before Richard Simmons came on the scene in the late 70s, you know, exercise was, for the most part, it was for hard bodies who wanted to get a little harder. Um, <laughs> it was for people who were already really body conscious and just and, and just wanted to stay that way. At least how that, that's how it was in, like the, in the aerobic scene in Los Angeles. Like Jane Fonda was, and things like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you look at Jane Fonda videos, I mean, she is ripped. Right. Um, and... And, and her workouts are, are pretty intense. And she's great. She's amazing. But what Richard did is that he decided to focus on regular people. And, and by regular people, it could be people like me. And, I, you know, I could lose 15 pounds, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty okay. All the way to people who weigh four, five, six hundred pounds. Like people who have serious, serious issues with obesity. And not just the physical parts of it, but the, but the sort of self-esteem issues that go along with it, too. So Richard decided to focus on those people and, and give them a place where they could go. I mean, can you imagine being, if, if, if you're, you know, 400 pounds, like, how do you start? Right. Where, how, how, how do you begin? You don't go to Jane Fonda. 
And so he he saw he saw these people, and he he decided that that's what he was going to focus on, and it changed everything. And and he had his background himself of being obese. He did, yeah. He he grew up as a fat kid, and and um, and it, it affected him greatly. I think it still affects him today. He he would he would say that it made him the person that he is. And 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 interestingly enough, he he lost his weight the wrong way. He lost his weight. He, he basically lost like 120 pounds in two months. Wow. Yeah. By starving uh, he, himself or what? Yeah, he basically starved himself. Um, and, and he ended up in the hospital. It almost killed him. Right. And, and that was a pivotal moment for him where he sort of realized um, that he did it the wrong way. But he also realized that there was a need for, out, for people to help. There was a need for somebody like him who could help other people do it the right way. And what he could do was that he would actually spend, um, I mean, what I've heard from your show is that he would actually call people for years every Sunday that people he would meet and talk to them for, I mean, we don't even have time to call our own family members every Sunday. And and he would keep contact with these people for years. Why do you think he was doing that? I think he was more than a celebrity. He was more than a business person. I think he made fitness and he made, he made fighting obesity his mission mm-hmm. um, in, 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 a, in an almost religious way. Um, he was evangelical about it. Um, and um, it was bigger than celebrity for him. Um, it was what he was going to do with his life. And he, it's what he would say all the time. He said he was gonna, it's what he was going to do until the day he died. Um, which, again, makes the mystery part of this that much more confounding. And all these people that he kept in touch with and helped lose hundreds of pounds and, and many even saved their lives through suicidal, he just has cut contact with today. Yes, that's our understanding. From all the from all the work we've done, we haven't found anybody we haven't found anybody that he's still in contact with. I do there are one or two people who he's not paying mm-hmm. um, that he is still in contact with and we sort of get into who those people are. Uh, and try to speak with them. But for the most part, there's nobody that we've found that he's still helping. So, for example, he, you know, is, and that's part of the problem, too, is that his publicist and his manager will say, he's home, he's still helping millions of people on his own, you know, behind the scenes. And mm-hmm. from what we've been able to tell, that's not true. Uh, so so that's a little concerning, too, when what his, his team says is happening and the reality, they just don't jive. But the way back just shortly back to his celebrity was very special to so outgoing and, and, and just sort of singing and dressed up and he would go on Letterman. There was a fine line between sort of laughing at him and with him, would you say? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, he, he is the first he's one of the first people who became famous for just being an original. Mm-hmm. You know, now now people become famous for just being themselves. But like. He was famous because he was him, and he was outrageous and wonderful and interesting, and and yeah, it's it, 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 he always called himself a court jester. He saw humor as as a way in, and yeah, it was a fine line. He he's been on Letterman on the Letterman show thirty three times, mm-hmm. and and sometimes you watch that show and you think, wow, they're they're making fun of him, mm-hmm. but if you flip it, I think I I personally think there's another way to look at that. I think that Richard Simmons is one of the funniest person people I've met. Mm-hmm. And Richard Simmons knows better than anybody how to command and take control of a room. 
So on the one hand, you could think that David Letterman was making fun of Richard Simmons. But on the other hand, you could think that David Letterman saw Richard Simmons as competition. And that when Richard <laughs> Simmons is in the room, you have to work hard to make sure that you are still the one that people are looking at. And so I think that's where a lot of the dynamic comes from, that it's, it's I think there, there's a respect to be given to Richard Simmons be, in, in those situations. Have you tried to talk to Letterman? Uh, we've reached out, but he, he, um, he has it. I think we've reached out again. He's missing uh, too. <laughs> yeah, really. Except for New Although he's doing press New now York Magazine, right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but because um, I was thinking sort of you now and in, in, there's a bit of a guilt for me as a listener and, and, and you've talked about this too, but just in terms of if someone because his people say um, and have said to you that he's not missing, he's at his house, he just doesn't want to do this anymore. Um, right. And, and I'm thinking what do you feel any sort of guilt and, and how have you sort of thought about ethically looking for someone who may not want to be found or who doesn't want to be is what they're saying? Yeah, there's a couple of things in that question. Uh, the first question is the ethics. Absolutely. It's, we think about it constantly. And I think we've done a really good job of, of not turning this into something where we were invading his privacy. And, and, and the way we tend to approach it, and, and I think what puts me in an inter in interesting position is that I consider him my friend. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's a lot of the things that uh, no, you know, there ha doesn't have to be big journalistic or documentarian conversations about what's ethically right and wrong when I can just say, look, Richard is my friend. I'm not talking about that. Right. Or I, I love Richard. I'm not bringing that crap up. Or, you know what I mean? Like, let's, we're not staking out his house. He's my friend. I'm not doing that to him. So, so that is sort of a nice shortcut that helps. Um, but you sure. are doing a podcast. I mean, you are, you're not just calling him off the record. I mean, in, in terms of being a friend, or do you mean something else? What do you mean? I mean that you are sort of doing it publicly that you're looking for him, even though I find. Is it, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, and, and the interesting thing about that is that I, hopefully what it's, it, 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 it my, my, my hope is that, he sees this as a gesture, as a grand gesture that that by recontextualizing him in the culture and that reminding people how incredible he is. Um, and I, th I do think he's become one dimensional for people in the past few years, uh, past past 20 years, I would say, that they sort of think he's the guy who gets made fun of on Letterman. Um, they don't know how many people he's helped or they forget that he changed fitness forever. Um, and so hopefully by doing that, um, it's a grand gesture that hopefully you know, will make him feel the love a little bit. And I, as I said at the top, I really think you have succeeded in this because it is a documentary. It is bringing many, many levels to someone who only had a few for me and, and for many, I think. But do you ever worry that this would sort of have the opposite effect for him, that he would be very upset? Sure. Yes, for sure. The last thing I want to do is upset Richard Simmons. It's not, it's just not the goal of this at all. But have they asked you to stop at any time or just... No, no the interviews. Yeah, the interesting thing about that is that they, his people actually, his manager and his publicist, more his manager, I've known his manager for about five years now, he's a really nice guy, he's never asked me to stop. And I, I'll talk to him every once in a while and let him know what's going on with it. And, um, and, and actually, like, he himself will talk to people and say that I'm a nice guy and that my intentions are good. Mm -hmm. Um but that just that Richard is not participating. So it is an interest. They, they haven't said, for the love of God, stop. Mm -hmm. 
So it is an interesting it is an interesting dynamic. They haven't told me to stop. Do you have your own personal thoughts as to what's going on with Richard, and and what what can you tell us? Well, let me let me let me say this first. The the the, the other thing about are we are we are we being too invasive or anything? Mm-hmm. And now the, uh, is that this is only six episodes. This is not this does not go on forever. This is we make our case about why Richard Simmons is awesome, and if he responds, great. If he doesn't. That's great too, and he can go and continue to live the type of life he wants to lead. To lead, but by making it a small, limited project, it's um, and not an open-ended thing where we're constantly looking for Richard Simmons. I think it sort of answers a lot of those questions as well. Right, you're not going to keep stalking him and hounding him. This this is a documentary project about him, and hopefully, it'll bring something. Yeah, up. yeah, yeah. Just yesterday, there was a. Uh, I read a report that the LAPD had actually paid him a visit. Did you, of course, read about that? And and what was what came out of that? Um, they said we're we're actually reaching out to that to the police officer that went today because he went on the record, which is very weird. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty unusual. I think it's great. I think it's great that he that they said he's fine. Um, I mean, the 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 day they went out was the day after our third episode came out, which is the one that talks about. The, the sort of scarier allegations. Um, so could you, could you reiterate those a bit? Yeah, um, uh, an old, uh, a, a very somebody who was very close to Richard uh, before he disappeared and used to work for him, you know, expressed his concern for Richard's health and potentially his safety. Uh, you know, whether he, he sort of asks the questions about whether or not people are uh, the people around Richard are taking care of him. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot of more outrageous things that go along with that claim that we, you know, obviously approach with skepticism. But I, but there are some things in, in his claims that are just uh, somebody expressing concern. Somebody who would have a be in a position to know um, is saying maybe everything that's happening is not on the up and up. Right. And and those were something that and a lot of people. There are people who don't think he's crazy. So you know, talking about that is, was definitely important. And clearly, the LAPD thought it was important as well because they went out the next day. And they say that they saw nothing wrong, or they. That is what I've read. Okay. I haven't talked. haven't talked to that person myself yet, so I can't really confirm it. But I, that's what I've read. I've read what you read. But that was that was my my question. Is that what? Do you have any sort of personal theories about what you think is going on? Um, I do, um, and I think, and that that's where the podcast leads. So I, I don't want to say too much. No. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I I have taken all the information. Um, and everything I know about Richard and, and all the good things and the challenges of being Richard Simmons. And yeah, we, we, I, I, I do think I, I have a theory about what happened, but we talk about that in the podcast. Okay, good. Um, what has sort of touched you most in this process that surprised you and, and, and touched you? You know, I, 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 have spent a lot of my career doing comedy. Um, and like, you know, I've made, you know, silly game shows and I've done kid shows and, and all this stuff. And so like, I like to have fun and, you know, I can be silly and, and it's not my, this, this is not my usual instinct, but spending a couple of years around Richard Simmons and, and learning about the impact he's had made me, has made me really respect the importance and the challenges of just being kind. You know, a couple of years ago, I would have gagged by saying something so schlocky, <laughs> but I really believe it now. Kindness is not easy, um, and it, it can be difficult to, to give. And and he was a superhero 
for that. Um, and I think there's so much to learn about the importance of it um, and so much to see for me to be witnessing it firsthand that the dozens of people I've talked to you um, who lives he has saved because he was kind. Um, it's it's super inspiring and hopefully a little bit of it will rub off on me. Because that's what's so amazing that several of the people you talk to, it, it's just so real. He's not a therapist. He just has knows what they're feeling and it's so incredibly empathetic and patient, which just seems, as you say, so kind. Yeah. And and a lot of these people like they that Richard has helped or try to help, like a lot of them don't get better. A lot of them, a lot of them live out their lives, never losing the weight that they need to lose to be healthy. A lot of them have died very early, you know, because of their obesity. And, 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 and Richard never gave up on those people. He kept talking. He would call them every week. He would call them sometimes more, like for years and years and years. He was the kindness he showed people, the, one, the ones who succeeded and the ones who didn't, uh, is remarkable. So lastly, what is your sort of personal hope with um, after these six episodes or, or before these six episodes that will happen in this case, if I may call it that? My goal is to hopefully talk to Richard Simmons and, 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 and basically understand, hopefully understand a little bit more um, about why he's made the choices he's made. I think when somebody is as important, as empathetic and special as Richard Simmons does something, stops being that person, I think it's worth asking the question why. Um, and the only person who can answer that question for me is Richard Simmons. And so if he, you know, we, we, we're putting out six episodes and this is our gesture to him and hopefully he feels the love and hopefully he'll choose to respond to me either in private or in public. But if not, and either way, I want him to go on and live exactly the type of life he wants to live and feel no responsibility to anybody. Right. And, and you're filming the sixth episode as we speak, or not filming, you're taping the sixth episode as we speak. What can we expect? I have no idea. Really? <laughs> dude, I was on a plane, and it's changing. I was on a plane, and I landed, and I read, oh my gosh, some of the pops went to Richard's house. Like, this is... It is happening in as real we speak. time. It is terrifying to, you know, just for everybody out there to understand how rare it is for the, the fact that, that people got behind this project, Pineapple Street Media, First Look Media, and gave me money and time and creative and their creative energy and collaboration to do a project that had no ending is right. unheard of. And uh, it's been a freaking gift for me. And, and But unfortunately, this is the scary part because now we have to, the ending is happening and we don't know what it is. But whatever happens, it will be, uh, hopefully it'll be fun and, and a little bit beautiful and, um, and respectful and great. Dan, thank you so much and, and, and congratulations. We're really enjoying and learning something from this. So thank you so much for taking your time. Oh, right on, Christina. Thank you so much. I, I, I hope so. Thank you so much to Dan Taberski. Don't miss Missing Richard Simmons on iTunes or Stitcher. The last few episodes are just coming up. And thank you for listening to Pop Culture Confidential. Subscribe to the show. Leave us a message on Twitter at PodPopCulture or you can find us on PopCultureConfidential.com. This show was edited by Tom Hansen, theme music by Karl Borg, and produced by René Wittestedt and myself. I'm Christina jerling Biro. Thank you so much.
My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.